This episode, this is where I say I've had enough. Magic. We yeah. bring the magic. We bring the magic. Welcome I've, back. You're just going to talk? Talk <laughs> over me? You're going to talk over? I was just going just gonna to say more about how people always say we bring the magic. Yeah, that's exactly what people say. Every single time they listen to it, it's like, man. Those guys bring the magic. Speaking of those guys, welcome to Growing Up Punk, the podcast about punk rock and all of its friends. My name is David. My friend is Aaron. Uh, you've got AKA some AKA new... Magic Johnson. AKA <laughs> Magic Johnson. <laughs> all right. Uh, you've got some new artwork behind you. Does this mean like every time we roll through a different series, you're going to update your wall? Well, I guess the pressure's on now. Yeah, it is. <laughs> you started something, man. Now, like, it's very fitting for what we're doing right now. See, I've I've decorated my wall to just like, hopefully, not have to touch it again. You know what the you know what the the kind of sad thing is about doing like a, a backdrop like this is that I look at it in the camera and I realize, man, there's like good things that I put on this wall intentionally, and you can't even see them. <laughs> yeah, I should have done it to, to fit specifically around our heads. And <laughs> yeah. and now when I look, it's like, oh, it's not level with the top of the screen, but <laughs> yeah. I wasn't that prepared, so whatever. Yeah. Well, because like, there's some like down here. I was like, this is, I got to move it maybe. But it's like a sick show poster for Jimmy World and at the drive-in and Hot Rod Circuit. And then it looks real good with this one. Anyway, uh, we're getting... <laughs> getting off topic a little bit about about decorating but it's just something that every now and then i'm like oh yeah i want to put that up too like i was trying earlier today and this is the problem with this setup i was trying to find a spot for this um if i can open it uh that's the wrong way oh go. nice yeah yeah so, oh yeah, you can put it on the wall to kind of your uh right there this wall yeah or on the door over here uh, no, yeah, not somewhere the there. I don't know. The problem is, yeah, this wall I spent time decorating. I'm like, man, should I just swap that now? So it's just this Jimmy World poster. <laughs> like, I don't know. <laughs> yeah. Well, you're the one that inspired this. The last time we did it, it was like because uh, there was uh, the posters I had on before were glossy, so it was yeah. like glaring and yeah. And it was like, ah, oh, maybe I should just do some black and white. And I was like, hey, we're doing labels. Why not just put all the labels in the background? All the labels. So. Now the problem is though is like I see this. And I'm looking at some of your labels on there, and I'm like, "Oh, are we gonna, are we gonna cover that label? We got, I can see Hellcat, Death Wish, uh, No Sleep. Um, these are just Nitro. Some of the labels, Betty Rocket. <laughs> some of the labels, yeah. we've some of them we've discussed, and some uh, like that we're gonna do, and then some that we haven't. Rise Records, Pure Noise, man. You yeah, it was there. mostly to fill the space and <laughs> trying to, well, to have a have a good representation of. Whether it's bands or labels we talk about, or just that they're a part of a yeah, part yeah. of this, or have influenced in one way or the other. Yeah. Well, before we get into talking about another label here, uh, make sure you go follow us on our social media at Growing Punk Pod. You'll find us on Twitter and Instagram. Uh, you'll find our personal Twitters and Instagrams linked there as well. And uh, we're on Facebook. You can find us wherever you listen to podcasts, including YouTube. Like we're talking about all this stuff that is a visual sort of thing. So if you're listening to the podcast and you want to see what we're talking about. Um, specifically the Jimmy World poster maybe that I held up. You could go uh, check us out on YouTube. And uh, growingpunkpod.com is our website. We've got merch there. If you want to grab yourself a T-shirt, a poorly designed T-shirt, that's a good way to sell it. If you want to grab yourself a poorly designed, <laughs> overpriced T-shirt, go check it out. Like a lot of the bands try to sell when they come to town. 
around. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> uh, growingpunkpod.com. Uh, you'll find the podcast there as well. And uh, sometimes we write reviews and just what we're listening to, stuff like that, that we don't talk about on the show. Uh, and on occasion, when I'm not super lazy, I also, and when I say on occasion, I mean at the point of recording this, I've done this once. Uh, I, I I transcribed an entire interview that you did. <laughs> I was bored. Yeah, one that's day. a lot of work, man. Oh man, I didn't realize how much work it was. I didn't even transcribe the entire interview. That's the Russ Rankin episode that I'm talking about that just came out this past week. Um, you can read the transcription of him talking about uh, basically the start from the beginning of the interview. So start talking about getting signed to Fat Records and his five favorite Fat Records releases. But then I stopped at that point. I was like, oh, okay, oh, okay, that's the point. So <laughs> can you, you do- not just play the interview and then press the little microphone? I, Siri or whatever, just to record the whole thing. I, it's funny because, like, I googled different ways that uh, you can, tra- like, easy ways to transcribe or or whatever for free. And honestly, one of the ways that came up was like, play your episode like on headphones, put it on a microphone that's hooked up to your computer, and then just go into Google Drive or whatever, Google Docs, and start a new document and select dictate. And the problem is, is that it does. It's not very good at it for one, because we talk too fast, <laughs> like oh, when okay. we're just conversing, right? We yeah, talk yeah. faster than if you're dictating. And then two, it doesn't, there's no punctuation. <laughs> it's just then like, it'll just like continue right, as one, one big. big blog or blob that I've got to go through and like format and whatever. You just, so. you just have to yell period. So as you're listening to like, period, exclamation. <laughs> yeah. Or when, <laughs> when we're doing these interviews or whatever, that we'll just have to do that in the interview, you know? So at this point we'd be like, all right, moving on, period. <laughs> full, full stop. <laughs> that will get super annoying for everyone. Yeah, for all the listeners. And then I got to go through and I'll just edit it out in the actual audio. <laughs> so I'm adding work somewhere, right? So Yeah, um, well. But we'll see if those continue or not. <laughs> it was fun, like, you know, to go through and actually, like, listen and a few times be like, what exactly did he say there? And, like, jump back and listen to you guys in slow motion. And, uh, you know, like, <laughs> you're, you guys sound so great very hammered when you're talking at slow speeds yeah you should post some clips of that next time I should yeah just like a slowed down uh episode where you sound like this <laughs> a little bit <laughs> so um yeah no let's uh let's get into things we're going to talk about vagrant records uh for this this week and next week we've got a guest lined up i'll tell you who the guest is now uh it is he's been on the show a few times this marks technically is fourth appearance on the show roger camaro of no motive uh is our guest next week and yeah we've we've talked in depth with roger about all the no motive records actually like we're at a point where we could literally just start a no motive podcast (laughs) um and then he was featured he he uh did a bit for our quarantine scene episodes that we did shared some records that he's into so uh yeah that's coming up next week this week he's he's going to share his five favorites next week this week we're going to each share our five favorites but before we get to that why don't uh, do you remember the first time that you kind of heard about vagrant records maybe what that what that album was yeah I, I it was uh it was a compilation as with many labels that we've mentioned um i think it was probably one of the uh, another year on the street ones because i can picture Picture the cover of it, seeing it. Um, what was, I don't know. If, what was the cover? Um, what, do you remember? Just like, like a like kind of the guy with a hat on or something, or was he holding a sign? Was the kind of the cover blue? 
Yeah, it could yeah. have been. Okay, so because my guess is what you're actually talking about is uh, was uh, the compilation Five Years on the Streets. Uh, Did it have like MXPX? Is that Vagrant or no? Yeah, yeah. Did it have MXPX and Blink 182 and stuff? Uh, I, I can't remember that specifically. Well, get it together, man. Because that was I, I. I say that because that was I think like that was what introduced me to Vagrant. Um, it's, that's what I was trying to figure out if it was that compilation or if it was no motive and the sadness prevails uh, because it was around the same time and I've talked about that compilation a few times because yeah the another year on the streets ones they came out they started coming out in the 2000s early 2000s maybe the year 2000 actually whereas five years on the streets was a few years before that and it had like no motive was on there Blink-182 had a cover song. MXPX had a cover song. Face to Face was on there. Um, I'm going to... Maybe I'll look it up and see if I can screen share it with you. Because yeah, I'm just, I'm just curious if it's if it's the same one. Uh, yeah, I yeah. mean, that's, this is back when comps were so big. So, I mean, there was yeah. a lot of them. And, you know, you'd go to a, a store, you know, and under, you know, the last letters, you know, would have all the compilations because it wasn't under... One letter, so you'd kind of flip through and see which one stood out. And yeah, yeah. Uh, let's see if I can share screen. Uh, da, 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 da. Yeah, I was trying to think of that today, and I couldn't remember exactly which one it was. But uh, yeah, that looks familiar. That's yeah. it. Yeah. Um, so that was Vagrant, and they just yeah. had random yeah, yeah. bands on it. Yeah, so I don't I don't know the whole story behind. I'm curious because um, it's it's come up a few times. Uh, I, I wonder if I can find a bit of background on this. No, it just tells me about the streets, <laughs> which is not what I'm looking for. Yeah. Uh, oh well, interesting. Okay, so <laughs> oh, this is fantastic. I got to screen share something with you again. <laughs> Because this is this is this is funny. This is a reason to to watch us on YouTube. All right, um, hold on, hold on here. Okay, so you can see what I've searched up, right? Yeah. Five years on the streets wiki. That's what I'm looking for. I just wanted to see if there's any information on it. So if I scroll down, so we get the streets, we get the streets discography, which doesn't surprise me. If I continue scrolling down, what just came up? Current penile <laughs> enlargement. <laughs> Yeah, why not, right? Because that is want... a compilation I don't want to see. I don't. I, 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 or here. Or <laughs> <laughs> so there we go. There we go. You you search for five years on the streets wiki and you get something about penile enlargement. I'm not even sure what it is, but oh, well, not I'm <laughs> sure what penile enlargement is, but why that came up or what that link goes to. But hey, here we are. Uh, so yeah, so you're saying it was the five years on the streets. Yeah. Uh, compilation that kind of introduced you to them so did you like did you own it or did a friend have it or what was the story oh there? man i feel like it was so like some of some of the comps that we've talked about i can specifically remember like the fat records one because my brother had it yeah. but lots of these were either like floating around or you'd see it in a store or maybe a friend had it i i don't have it now um which doesn't mean i didn't have it then but i i can't remember that specifically yeah I know I for sure I had it, and uh, I believe I bought it because if I bring that cover art back up, 
It says I mean, right, right on the front featuring face-to-face, Blink-182, MXPX. Uh, I was like, yeah, uh, yeah, okay, I'm in. You've got me. Which <laughs> is funny because, well, maybe I thought, like, was face-to-face even on there at the time or they were just... Yeah, so this is the thing I've been trying to kind of pinpoint and figure out with uh, Vagrant Records um, because, again, I'm... I'm not researching, but looking things up as we go. Uh, because if you go to like the Vagrant Records release, like uh, their disc, their discogs, and you go down, they started by releasing a bunch of it looks like seven inches, and going through them face to face had a ten inch, and then like, that's not true. Hold on, well that the ten inch is true. I'm just looking because the face to face live album was on Vagrant. Um, and it looks like, I don't know what the connection was with face to face, but they were definitely around early. And then obviously they were on, uh, well, fat wreck early on and then like a major, and then eventually they did come to vagrant. But so there is some stuff that they had early on that was on, on vagrant records. Um, but yeah, that specifically the five years on the streets. When did that come out? Uh, and I mean, it, it was common for for labels to put out comps back then that did have other bands, right? So whether it was just to bring you know more attention to it or just yeah, because five years five years on the streets came out in nineteen ninety eight, which is also when the face to face live record came out. Oh uh, yeah, that ten inch that I was talking about. Uh, where is it here? Face to face. Econo Live 10 inch EP was 1996. Um, but I'm not, it's funny because I think a lot of times the, the kind of the first record that's referred to is coming out on Vagrant, I think was like the Boxer record. Oh, uh, yeah. As far as like a studio full length. I, again, this is all stuff that I, I feel like I could have researched more. Like, I, I'm pretty sure if I go into Vagrant's Wikipedia though, um, it uh, it lists that as being their their the first, first release, yeah. So, but when you go on their discogs, there's a bunch of stuff. But I also think they reissued some stuff, and then so that comes up. Uh, the first band signed by Vagrant Records was Boxer, and their album The Hurt Process released on May fifth, nineteen ninety eight. Uh, the pop punk album notably featured drummer Chris Penny, who would go on to play with Dillinger Escape Plan and Coheed and Cambria. Um, so that just says they were the first band signed by Vagrant was Boxer and then it says the Hurt Process released on May 5th so I'm man I don't I don't even know <laughs> it's so confusing yeah, to me because nah, Discogs has so much going on there but yeah that that I, I think for a lot of people that uh, five years on the streets was definitely kind of the start um, the introduction for a lot of people and I know they had I think a, a, a compilation out before that as well called Before You Were Punk which I believe oh was a cover. Yeah, I remember that one too. Yeah, yeah. Uh, before your punk compilation, I think uh, I actually have that one. Yeah, maybe it's that's it's a good lineup. Good riddance. I melt with you. No use for a name. Turning Japanese face to face in between days. Gutter mouth. Automatic seven. So yeah, like Blink One Eighty Two. Dancing with myself. Uh, that's on Five Years on the Streets. It's also on uh, this one here. Um, yeah. So anyways, a bunch of a bunch of California punk bands. Uh, putting out some covers on that one, so uh, yeah. that's pretty rad. Pretty rad. So, but yeah, there we are. That's you. You don't know exactly when you discovered Vagrant, but you can remember the CD. So that's cool. <laughs> yeah. Well, I mean, yeah, especially with a, a picture like that on the front, like it yeah. just kind of stuck in my mind. 
Yeah. So, uh, and I think the five years on the streets thing was referring to because, like I said, uh, on their on their Discogs page, as far as I can understand, they they kind of released a bunch of like seven inches and singles and whatever was kind of like what they started with, yeah. as it were. But uh, so that was the the sort of the five years. I could be entirely wrong about all of this. But that's just what I've kind of gathered. So anyway, let's get into uh, our our top five. Uh, releases from Vagrant Records. Now, before we dive into this, um, same rules apply, only one record per band. Uh, and on top of that, some of these picks, I think we altered a little bit just to kind of complement each other's lists. Um, for me, oh, I should, say, I should say before we really dive in, for me, Vagrant Records was kind of the first label after discovering Tooth & Nail I mean, I discovered Tooth & Nail a few years before that, but it was kind of the first label for me where I would see the Vagrant logo on it and I'd be like, man, I got to buy this. And a mm. lot of that was going on in the early 2000s. And we'll dive yep. into some of those records because that's when they really blew up. Uh, but yeah, so for for me, that's where a lot of it comes from is, uh, you know, like just going like, oh, it's another Vagrant record. I should get this and, you know, and, and buying their their uh compilations you mentioned another year on the streets they had a couple couple versions of those so um yeah we we tried to complement each other's lists a little bit to cover kind of a few more albums then maybe just doubling up on all of them but uh what's uh what's your number five yeah well i'll just say that that vagrant was you know a lot of the releases on the label where and there's there's a few labels like this or bands and, and this will come up here and there that you know, it was more one that, you know, friends listened to. Um, so it wasn't, you know, none of the picks on mine are ones that I know super well or, you know, kind of go back to a lot. But these these five are ones that, that stand out for one reason or another. And uh, lots of, you know, so today I was, uh, I was working from home today and I had the house to myself. And so I played through a bunch of these albums from, from both of our lists. And it was actually, it was fun to kind of, rediscover some or even newly discover some uh, so the first one i'll go with is from autumn to ashes the fiction we live Doing this for you. Listen, because of you, I don't believe. So I'm doing this to do. 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 I'm doing this
This is one of the few that I can recall or as I was going through the list of the heavier bands um, on Vagrant. And this is one. There was a few songs that when this came out that I had on like a burn CD that I listened to every day on my lunch break at work. And then uh, I saw them live one year uh, with Killswitch and Gage, I think, and, and they were really cool live. Um, so I don't know the album super well, but I think because it is one of the heavier ones, I'm kind of drawn to it. So I was listening through it today, and it was kind of like, okay, like there's some really cool parts on this, but I don't know if it's aged super well. The clean vocals are kind of like whiny and a little like a little too 2004, you know? <laughs> yeah. um, but still, you know, it, it's still, when I was listening to it, you know, it still took me back. It still reminded me of, like, you know, kind of starting to discover some heavier bands. And um, so, yeah, I, I don't really remember, like, the first time hearing this band, but because they were a heavier band and, and seeing them live. And, and, yeah, as I listened to it today... <clears throat> I I did enjoy it. Like I I listened through the whole thing, and you know, at the end, it was like, okay, like I don't want to go back and listen to it again right away, but it's still you know an album I can I can enjoy for what it is. Yeah, this this is one I owned this record. Uh, I feel like in a way, it's a little bit before its time, maybe, um, because I I feel like it was. I mean, it, I shouldn't say it's before its time. It's because it's like right at the very very beginning. I feel of like yeah. when kind of like metalcore sort of stuff was starting to really take off, and they're also a band that I could like one of the first bands I can remember that their drummer like that I discovered anyways that their drummer was also. The vocalist right I was like, yeah well that's crazy but he wore like the britney spears like headset sort of oh thing, yeah the garth brooks like microphone yeah. which is kind of silly to see but <laughs> that's um, probably the only option there was back then well no i mean because like under oath obviously aaron gillespie yeah, I guess thing. Could, yeah. he just had the mic in his face right like, um it was probably obviously the most freeing for him as a vocalist to not have to worry about and a drummer to not have to worry yeah, yeah. about being in one specific spot but uh, it was just always kind of silly to see but i mean this record I, I like I, when I was I was listening to it today as well, and because uh, it it was one that I kind of jotted down as you know like records I remember really liking from Vagrant, and I listening to it today I was like I can see what you're saying about the you know it didn't it hasn't necessarily aged super well it does sound very much in its time, um, but I, I I was thinking about the vocals the singing the clean vocals and I was like I kind of like them because they are a little bit different I think than what would eventually come for yeah. that whole sound right like yeah it's not as polished and kind of poppy yeah. sounding it's a little 
Yeah, yeah maybe, he, maybe whiny is not the right word. I don't know. No, I think whiny is the yeah. right word because um, he is definitely... Emotionally whiny? I don't yeah, know. <laughs> he, he's definitely... I want to say he's definitely leaning more into, like you say emotional, more into kind of like a traditional emo post-hardcore vocal delivery sort of thing where he was... Yeah. He's, he's definitely not afraid to let it break and kind of like really, um, I guess, let that emotion lead the song. Some of the yeah, songs... like. They're a band that I didn't follow up with. Like, I, I mean, I listened to the record that came after this, but I was like, all right, cool. Like, I did my did my thing. Um, but uh, no, it was... I did enjoy this record. I, it, it's very much an early 2000s record in everything about it, including, like, the artwork yeah. and stuff. But yeah, uh, but yeah no, it's, um, it's one that on occasion, on very rare occasion, I come back to and go, oh, yeah, like these guys. Uh, they f- they fit in well with some other bands that I was listening to at that time, like Hope's Fall and Poison the yeah, Well for and sure. stuff. So, um, but yeah, my number five was uh, one that I-, I debated not including on this list because they actually made my previous list for Fat Records because this band's been around and we were just talking about them. But Face to Face and How to Ruin Everything. <laughs>
record for me was, if I recall correctly, it was the first like record where I was a face-to-face fan when it was coming out. Like, so I was anticipating it. And we've talked about that with different bands where you kind of discover them when they've got a few records out and you kind of fall in love with those earlier albums. And then, you know, there's that one record or whatever where you're like, okay, I'm pumped for this new one that's coming out. And uh, this was this was face-to-face for me, if I recall correctly, because like before that, I had uh, Big Choice and the live album were the only two face-to-face records I had before that. And so when this one came out, I remember immediately loving it. And also at the same time, I was like a little bit confused because I didn't know what the relationship was between Face to Face and Vagrant Records. And I think actually at this point, they maybe had already had an album. Out. Obviously, there's a live album, but a studio album out on Vagrant Records, mm. maybe maybe two. Like, um, I'd have to go back and look a little closer. But this one always stuck with me uh, because this was also the tour that I saw them live for the first time on. Uh, and it was a show that uh, I will probably never forget because it kind of ended up being two different shows that were booked in Calgary for the same day. One was the face-to-face show and the other was Guttermouth with like Riddling Kids and oh, yeah, nice. someone else. Yeah, and so face-to-face was touring with Monine and someone. Uh, I think both tours had three bands total, so it ended up being like this six-band show. Uh, and Face to Face and Guttermouth were like co-headliners, and I can just remember Guttermouth was playing, and I was out in like the merch area talking with Kenny from Monine because I was like, "I'm here for this tour, like Monine and Face to Face, not so much, you know, this tour that's Guttermouth and Riddling Kids or whatever." But so like seeing them live on that tour, and I was just blown away by them, and they were so good. And I think this record is very like raw in its sound, uh, which I really appreciate. And I think if I recall correctly of the history of face to face, they had like, they were a trio on this record versus being oh. a, a four piece yeah. basically the rest of the time. So, uh, it's very straightforward. I mean, face to face is always very straightforward. Um, but it's, it is an absolute, like i I love this record. It's still one. I listen to it today as well, where I'm just like, Oh, it gets me every time, every single time. Yeah, I should have gone back and and listened to this one today. I I didn't get I didn't get to this. I have it on CD. I haven't listened to it in years. You know, there was a few in there. There was this one. There was Reactionary. Um, there might have been another one too, where I just kind of lost interest in it. I don't know if it was like you said. You know, maybe a bit more raw, or maybe yeah. leaning a bit more towards the kind of rock side. And I just kind of remember feeling like, oh, this isn't like as upbeat or energetic as I would like. And so they just kind of fell by the wayside. But yeah, there's probably value in going back and giving them another listen for sure. They also had a single off this album that uh, they had a video for it uh, on, well, I had it on another year on the streets. I don't remember which one it was, but I want to say it was, um, I want to say the song was Bill of Goods. Uh, I'm just trying to look it up here. Um, and the video was, no, it wasn't bill of goods. Um, eh, that's too bad. Uh, but the video was awesome because it was like following this guy who was kind of going through, sorry, I'm I'm trying to look it up, but it's, I got, I got to give up. I'm just getting distracted, but it was, it followed like a guy who was going to the show and he starts kind of like outside the show and the camera is typically over his shoulder. And if I recall, it's like a one shot through the whole thing. So it just follows him. Um, like going into the concert face to face is obviously playing and stuff. And it was just, if I recall like it was, it was awesome. It was a great video, but, uh, let's move on. What was your number four? Number four, we will go with 
Sorry, I just added uh, that Ridland Kids album on Spotify because <laughs> I, I totally remember that band. I don't know if it's any good or not. I It's just, funny. I, I mean, I can't say anything to or about them because um, like, I, I didn't watch them, but I, I know I wasn't interested in them then, and I don't think I ever got into them, but... I just remember they had, they had a music video in like a diner or something, and like right. some the like waiters getting beat up by the jocks or whatever, and <laughs> classic. And they're playing, but uh, yeah, let's let's go with uh, the Get Up Kids. Something to write home about. So this is, besides their newest one, this is probably the one I've 
I've heard the most. I, I had friends that were really into this one, and and anything I had heard before was maybe like a little too emo or slow or whatever for me. But this one has some, you know, it's a bit more upbeat. It's it's catchy. It's not like too whiny as, you know, especially back then that I found a lot of these kind of bands. Uh, this is still an album I like going back to. There's a, a few standout songs for sure. Um, yeah, it's kind of one of those bands that, like I said, you know, was around a lot. Other people were listening to it. So I've heard it a lot, but I don't know it because I never really took it, you know, super personally. But yeah, just one of those ones that, that I will keep going back to and just stands out for, for various reasons. Yeah. Um, I'm just going to jump in because this is actually on my list as well, except it's my number two. Uh, so I'm going to go a little bit out of order here, but, um, this album, it's funny because for me, the Get Up Kids are an interesting band. I think I remember hearing about them for the first time because there was like some clip that was floating around on the internet. And this was like back in the days of like mp3.com and stuff like that. Oh, yeah. And there was this clip where, from what I can understand, and now it, it this is also a time where this could have been labeled entirely wrong, but I feel like it was labeled as the Get Up Kids. They were talking about MXPX. And oh. so, yeah. And so... I had, and they were basically talking about how like MXPX was like their their roadies on tour sort of thing. Like it was, they were just like joking around about them, right? Like I don't know what the context was. I just remember <laughs> hearing this clip and initially being like, "What? Like this doesn't really make any sense." But okay. Um, but then getting into the Get Up Kids, this record, uh, it took a while to grow on me. Like I liked it when I first heard it, but it is a record and maybe one of like two on my list that has actually like grown on me significantly since I heard it and since I became an adult, um, kind of getting to appreciate it a little bit more. Like when I was, you know, when these records were coming out and in the, the vagrant heyday, because this is the record that is kind of like looked at as the catalyst for sending this label to the heights, like really starting mm -hmm. that progression to the heights that it would get to. Um, I was actually a big fan of On a Wire, which was the Get Up Kids record that came after this. Uh, and based solely, I shouldn't say solely, but really the song that hooked me was the first song, Overdue, on the On a Wire record that I was just like, oh, this is, and it's just like this mellow song. It's really good. But so forever, I always said like, that was my favorite Get Up Kids record. And part of that was probably just me trying to be like, you know, like quote unquote counterculture in the sense that, you know, like, something to write home about was the classic get up kids album. And then they made yeah. this change going into on a wire, which lost some people. I still really like on a wire, but as time has gone on, something to write home about has been that record. That's kind of like my appreciation of it has grown more and more. And like, they just on Valentine's day did, uh, did their live stream where they played this record cover to cover. And I'm just like, oh, and awesome. it's funny because I don't know why I was so surprised at how good, they played it live when they just put out one of my favorite records of the last couple of years, right? Yeah. Like Problems is like, it's so good. Problems like now for me on my list of Get Up Kids albums is I think probably number two following only something to write home about, which is interesting because like I've dug this band and quite a bit for, a, you know, a number of years. And so for them to release that, like, fantastic but yeah when i was watching it i was like oh man they sound so good like this surprises me and then i was like well yeah like they literally just released an album that i really like quite a bit i shouldn't be surprised that they could still do this right but yeah that's awesome um, 
but yeah, here we are. So, uh, what's your what's your next record on your list? Well, this one I was forced into because Perfect. the one I picked. Oh yes, <laughs> isn't we'll on it. the label. Yeah, so. we'll save for a different episode. <laughs> and that is Alex is on fire. Yes, as many Alex. people like to argue when this band came out yeah. about how to pronounce the name, and so every time I see it, I can just. It's like that's the first thing that pops in my head. I'm just like, oh, this is so annoying that <laughs> yeah. that's what I think of. But yeah, uh, this is, yeah, I mean, a Canadian band, you know, did super. You, sorry, did you say which record it was? I, oh, uh, sorry, uh, Crisis.
Yes. So is that their second, second newest one? Uh, young old Cardinals. Yeah, young yeah, Cardinals is I, the I guess so. Yeah, yeah. Because um, I mean, they had like a, I think they had an EP that they released before they broke up, and then they had like a single or two songs or whatever that they released since they got back together. But as far as, yeah, like full lengths, it's, it would be considered their second newest one. Okay. Um, yeah, so I, I kind of rediscovered this one a little bit, which was which was good. I mean, I, as I put it on, I definitely could pick out, you know, the singles and the ones, you know, that either had music videos or ones I'd heard. And um, But there's there's always a lot to take from this band. You know, sometimes for my liking, it's a bit too much at times. You know, sometimes the guitars are a little bit too noodly or the vocals, you know, <laughs> as good as they are, are sometimes like there's just too many kind of parts or I don't know. That's just as I was re-listening it through, you know, when I kind of got to the end, it's like, okay, I can really like for sure remember a few songs, but I'm not really sure. Well, and also with this one, I I listened to it on YouTube because my wife was using Spotify or whatever. And so I think the songs were all in order, but at some point it seemed like it was mixed up or anyways, whatever. Right. Um, yeah, really, really great band. Um, I remember the first time seeing them live when they came here, when they like had just put out that first album, so there was a lot of buzz about them. And uh, yeah, I think it was them and Billy Talent, like two bands like right on the edge of, of blowing up and... And uh, yeah, I got to see him a number of years later, and you know, kind of various connections. But um, yeah, great band, cool album. I like. They're not they're not albums that I go to very often, but I do enjoy them when they're on. And again, like I said, it's you know one of those bands that it was pretty much impossible to escape for for a long time. You know, they were always kind of on or around. Well, they uh, were even. I don't know about in the states, but they are on the radio here. Like that's yeah, that's pretty impressive. Um, this is actually my favorite Alexis on Fire album, and I like make no like I I don't know. It's funny because Alexis on Fire, I really liked that self titled album. It was a little more I don't know if spazzy is the right word necessarily, but yeah. Um, you know, and then you could tell there was, especially on the song Pulmonary Archery on that first record, where it's like, man, there's a guy in this band who has like a really good voice that they're not yeah. really using, right? And then Watch Out came out, and it was like, oh, they realized that he has this really good voice because all of a sudden he's on every single song, right? Yeah. And I remember, I think like on that record, uh, there's, I know I was taken aback, I think, by george the screamer like his vocals I, I feel like they changed a little bit between those first two records um well he probably screamed would, a lot more than he was used to right they, yeah yeah and then they changed again later on like old crows young cardinals or whatever that record's called his vocals yeah. changed again oh, yeah, but um but on on crisis it's funny i didn't buy it and i wasn't really like i knew it was out and i was kind of like okay whatever and then my wife Lindsay, she like just one day was like oh surprise i bought this for you and it was alexis on fire crisis and i was like okay cool and so i put it in and i was immediately like obviously there were two radio singles on this album um like boiled frogs and this could be anywhere in the world or whatever it's called right um and so i knew those songs but as i listened to this record i was like dang there's like a lot of really good like for me what i love so much about this record and you talked about like the the different vocalists well they've got three vocalists who are all so distinct but all so good at what they do yeah right like you have obviously dallas green i mean he's 
Dallas Green is like nowadays. It's funny because at the time I would have like that's what I would have been so hype about in listening to this record was Dallas Green. But now at Dallas Green, obviously I've got I've got some like City and Color stuff on the wall. Um, but even then, he like kind of an- annoys me. Like his voice has gotten to a point now where I'm like, okay, like it's too too much sometimes, right? Too crony, maybe. But like back with this with these records, like I still I still love it, but like the 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 work between himself but mainly like george and wade is where i'm like oh it's yeah. so good because like like wade almost plays this like in between george and dallas right like yeah. he's you know it's it's really it's really awesome there's some super standout songs i think on this record like that i still i was gladly listening to it earlier today but um when we were discussing you know kind of like which uh, which records, you know, cause you, you had said, watch out. And I was like, that wasn't actually on Vagrant. The first release that they put out on Vagrant was the Switcheroo series with Monine, which yeah. was also like an interesting kind of experiment because, you know, they were covering each other's songs and I think they each had one new song on there. Um, but I, I remember being a little bit like disappointed in the sense, you want to talk about a band that gets noodly with their guitars. Monine is that band. Yes. Um, but <laughs> I was, I was a little bit disappointed in the sense that, um, a uh, Alexa, uh, Alexis on Fire only kind of really covered uh, older Monine songs, and then Monine at the time only really covered newer Alexis on Fire songs. And I was like, mm. oh, I wanted them to mix it up a little bit, but still, a like one of the greatest in my mind, anyway, splits that I've ever owned and really listened to was that switcher, which is funny because I don't know if they did any more. Like not those, not I don't, yeah, not, I don't think so. Not Monine and Alexis on Fire, but the yeah, fact but that they the called it or... the Switcheroo series, and then I'm like, I don't think there were any other ones. Like I'm curious to know if there was another Switcheroo yeah. series that came out because I don't. I don't remember, recall any other ones. I don't remember hearing about it, but yeah, let's see what happens. I mean, you just get Alexis on Fire and Mo, versus Monine. What happens if I click on Dine Alone Records? Uh, it's just Alexis on fire and Monine. So yeah, like that's what I, it's, it's curious to me that they call it the switcheroo series. Cause it sounded like they were going to, you know, by, by that name, like they were going to make this a regular thing. Yeah. Uh, maybe they were going to, and then it just, nobody else wanted to do it or something. Yeah. I bring up the switcheroo series though, because my next record on my list is Monine. Are we really happy with who we are right now? You said you wanted, you said you needed. What you don't know is I know that you can get
Um, this record... I don't know what to say about this record. I absolutely love this record and always will absolutely love this record. Um, Monine is one of my, I would say, like, favorite bands from kind of high school years just because i saw them so many times and they were always so crazy like you never knew what to expect when you'd see them live uh but i saw them yeah so many times and this record for me like start to finish is so good i really like the records that came before it. red tree is interesting it's the one that came after this one um because it's a lot more polished that was the one actually i talked with brian McTurney. oh about yeah it, that's right because uh, he did that record and you know so like this was like the last, like the pinnacle record, I suppose, for me for Monine. And I think because like the Red Tree and then they had another one, I believe, that came after that. Um, or maybe it was just an EP. I can't remember. But anyway, where I was like sort of had moved on a little bit from being like, oh, I need all of this Monine, even though I just saw them a few years ago live. I was super pumped. They came with, they played the Calgary Stampede with Dashboard Confessional. Yeah, like if that's, if that's awesome. not the weirdest, like, calgary stampede show i don't know what is but it was incredible and they were just as good then as they were like when i remember seeing them in the early 2000s like um and i know we've talked about monine a few times on the show you're not a huge fan of the band and i and i can understand why like they have times where they'll just like go off and either be like spastic and crazy or they'll like get stuck in these almost like loops of just like dreamy reverb de- delay guitars where and that's where I'm just like when I see them live I could just stand there for 3 hours watching them play like the same thing you know and like everyone's just swaying or whatever but um I don't know man like this band they did they were they were just so much fun like everything about them they write they write these kind of like sad serious songs and then they're just a bunch of goofs on stage like i loved it everything about them but uh and watching them jump off you know speaker stacks and you know dog pile on the floor like uh, the one time i saw them they were playing uh they have a song called the passing of america uh, which actually Alexis on fire on the switcheroo series. That was one that they covered, but it was always their closing song. And you always mm-hmm. knew something was going to happen. And so they're playing the passing of America on this one tour. And in the middle of it, they went into, I believe in a thing called love by the darkness. Oh yeah. <laughs> and then like in the middle of that, like all, like the whole, like, you know, other band that was on tour with them and like their whole crew and whatever, just like dogpiled on Kenny, the singer in the middle of the stage. And then, because uh, they would have a guitar tech that would come out and play guitar on that song for them, where then then Kenny would just go crazy. Oh singing. yeah, yeah. And um, so they like all dogpiled on Kenny, and he's like singing, and also just like they got off at the same time, and boom, went right back into the passing of America. And it's just like, oh, like everything about them was always like such a good time. And I say that as if they're not around; they're still around. Uh, they haven't released a new any new music in quite some time. Yeah. This record, uh, I debated bringing it with me downstairs tonight because uh, it's one of those ones on vinyl where I was like, as soon as it was reissued, or I shouldn't say reissued, as soon as it was on vinyl for the first time, I was snapping it up, so or snatching it up, I should say. But uh, yeah, real quickly, in about 10 seconds, tell us how much you love Monin. Um, I got lots of funny stories about people being <laughs> about- mad at me because I didn't like them. Yeah. <laughs> they, yeah. It was, you know, this, this album and band were, were huge for a lot of the friends around me. So I I was kind of subject to listening to it. I mean, like you said, super talented band, band, awesome live band, just, 
Yeah, just not for me. I think it was, you know, I maybe I'm still far behind developing my music tastes or whatever. But you know, when this came out, you know, my friends were kind of you know getting into more like whether it was the emo ish stuff or whatever. I was still just like punk or metal. Yeah. Like, yeah. I didn't really have any interest in the kind of more whatever you want to call this style so i mean yeah later later on i was like okay you know i get it a bit more and maybe have a bit more of a tolerance but yeah just i it's funny i was just reminded of one time that i saw them uh i was in a band and we were playing a show that night in calgary and i just like i was like okay guys here's the thing we're gonna play early and then i'm gonna leave so are you guys cool to take like the gear home because I'm gonna go see Monine, and I just like ditched the rest of my band to yeah, go that's the way to do it to go see Monine. I think I went with like one other friend who maybe he like picked me up or whatever, so I didn't have to. But uh, yeah, it's like, well, we played a good show. I remember like uh, Steven, our bass player, uh, he borrowed he borrowed a friend's bass because I think his was in the shop at the time or something like that. But he, he was like, at one point went to do like, this was in the early 2000s. So like the classic, like guitar toss, the bass yeah. toss. And, um, he, uh, <laughs> the strap locks gave way. And so he just threw it directly into a wall. Oh, <laughs> like man. first thing it was like, whoo, bam, just into the wall. But then also in that show at one point he was, you know, moving, does the, the classic, like, you know, he brings the, 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 the neck of the bass forward or whatever and back. But when he did it, he totally smoked some girl standing in the front row. And I was just like, all nice. right, <laughs> I'm out of here. I'm not dealing with this. Uh, but, uh, what's, what's next on your list? I'll go with Hot Rod Circuit. Oh, Sorry yes. about tomorrow.
So this is another one that... Uh, hot rod circuit. I, I think... Oh, you can't see it now, can you? Uh, no. Nope. Nope. Here, it's at the drive-in and then nothing. But there's hot yeah. rod circuit on this poster. Oh, cool. Oh, I didn't point out the get-up kids earlier either. Oh, yeah, they're there. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, as soon as I see the cover and the, the album starts, it just takes me back to listening to it with a few friends that were, yeah. were big fans of it. And again, back then, I didn't appreciate it that much, but as I... You know, I was listening through it last week, and I listened through it again today. It's a really good album. Like it it's yeah. it's really upbeat and it's catchy. It's not, you know, I don't like saying the word whiny or emo. <laughs> I don't whatever that like you know, yeah. like how some of the Get Up Kids stuff maybe just slower paced or yeah. whatever whatever it is. You know, it's to me when I was listening, I was like, this is just kind of like a rock record. You know, it's um, you know, it's super catchy. It's not, you know, repetitive or annoying. Like, it, it keeps you engaged and, and uh, yeah, just a really good album overall. It's very much straight and to the point. Like, yeah. um, you know, it's a record that when it's over, you're like, oh, it's over. And then you just put it on again. Uh, not necessarily in the sense where you listen to it, for me anyways, where I listen to it and, you know, as it as it comes to a close, I'm listening and going, Oh man, I already know I want to start this again. A, a record that kind of does that for me. Um, no, I won't say it because because we're going to talk about it. It's going to be on one of my lists upcoming. So, uh, <laughs> but uh, there there is a record that I think of very much when I think of a you know like a closing song that makes me want to put the album on and listen mm. again. Yeah, uh, this doesn't have that, but it's it's so straight and to the point and just like simple that yeah, like there's nothing. There's nothing about it that's wrong. I don't know if that makes sense because that sounds like I'm saying I don't like it and I don't know why I don't like it. I really like this record. And I think when we were talking, texting back and forth, because uh, I'd never brought this, I don't think I ever brought this one up. And, you know, you had said, uh, I think you'd really like it. I was like, oh, I know this record. Like it would be in my top 10 for sure. Yeah. Um, you know, just not in, in my top five necessarily. And even saying that, like obviously this top five it's missing out on some records that, you know, I, I also still very much love like Vagrant yeah. records was that label. Right. For me. So, um, but yeah, and the thing I love about the cover of this record is it's like very much, it very much fits like Vagrant records for me oh, yeah. in like that era. Like I put it there with, you know, no motive, um, uh, diagram. The classic girl on the cover in yeah, some position then, or pose. Yeah, exactly, and but and then for whatever reason, I think just because of how it's like kind of chopped up, like reminds me of Dashboard Confessional, and there's just like different stuff going on with this record. I think that uh, uh, it's very much Vagrant Records, <laughs> you know, yeah. like of the early two thousands. But it is so it's it's just really solid songwriting. I think is you know what it boils down to. Yeah, and, this uh, one stands up still too, like because I put it on, 100%. like it doesn't doesn't sound super dated or yeah. you know. Yep. Speaking of really solid songwriting, uh, my next pick. I've gone out of order. I had these in top five, and then as soon as we went with the Get Up Kids, yeah, yeah it's four, all good. I was like, okay, we. I just, I just threw them out. But um, my ne my next one, solid songwriting, and he is one of I think the all time songwriters for kind of like the emo post hardcore, especially through the '90s. But uh, Hey Mercedes loses control.
so this was this this record is something I talked about the Get Up Kids being a record that's grown on me so much at like as an adult, like it continues to grow on me. Say this is the other record where I said there uh, Get Up Kids was one of two in this list. Hey Mercedes loses control is an album that when I first heard it, I could not pinpoint what I liked about it. I just knew I liked it. And then as I've listened to it more and more, I've realized that. So Bob Nana is the key, the principal songwriter in Hey Mercedes. And he's also the principal songwriter in a band called Braid, um, who are, I think they're back. They got back together. I don't know if they're still together, but Braid was like an influential post-hardcore kind of emo band in the nineties. And I, maybe this is blasphemous for me to say, like for people who are, you know, like kind of post-hardcore purists or whatever, but I enjoy Hey Mercedes more than Braid. I like Braid, but Hey Mercedes just showed like, I don't know. I feel like there's a few members in this band. Maybe all the members were actually in Braid as well. It might just be a band minus, minus a guy or two. I'm not a hundred percent sure, but um, I know I've read it up somewhere, but I don't remember. Anyway, this band this record in particular, because I think they had another one out before this one on Vagrant Records that I've never really gotten into. But you talk about like a cover kind of catching your eye. This that's that was the case with this record initially for me. I had no idea who Hey Mercedes was, but I saw this cover of you know just a dude wearing like a black hoodie or whatever, looking back over his shoulder, and uh, as he's kind of walking towards the camera. And then I saw it was on Vagrant. I was like, okay, I'm going to buy this. Like everything about this so far, I like. So why not you know buy it? And as time has gone on, this was one of the records I, I brought up in uh, our quarantine scene episodes that we did. It's like an underrated record. I'm like, you need to go listen to this. And the songwriting, Bob Nana's lyricism specifically, he's got this like laid back vocal style that's just always like, I feel the word that comes to mind when I listen to Bob Nana sing, especially on these records is comfortable. Mm. (laughs) Like he's, uh, he's also got some solo stuff. I think he released a solo album last year. That's really nice. It's like mainly, if not all acoustic and kind of like nice, intricate guitar work. And anyway, um, he's just, I just put him on and he's just one of those comfortable voices for me. But I know you had some thoughts about this record because you were kind of texting me a little bit about it earlier today. Yeah, another one of those bands that friends listen to, but I probably haven't listened to this in the last 15 years at least. So, yeah, when I was going through both of our lists, I was trying to at least listen to the ones that I didn't know really know much about. Yeah. And I honestly didn't really expect to like it. You know, I kind of thought, okay, so, you know, it'd be a vagrant album, so it'll be good, but I don't know if I'll, you know, want to listen to the whole thing. And I listened to it, you know, from start to finish. And I just, every time a song came on, I was just like, man, like, I like this song too. Like, this sounds good too. It's, you know, more upbeat than I expected or it's catchier or, you know, there just kept being things that just made me want to keep listening. And so I'm I'm excited to already go back and and listen to it again. I've tried uh, a few times to like give their other other album a listen. And I've put it on and I've enjoyed it because it's very much Hey Mercedes still. But yeah, this one I come back to. It's one that I come back to regularly. Um but uh, it's so good. So what's next on your list? So my number one is um, No Motive. Boom. <laughs> there you go. Diagram for healing. Yeah. 
Yeah, I mean, yeah, we. Yep. I was gonna say, is this your legit number one? Yeah. So this is my. Yeah, I was just going on my list and it wasn't there. I was like, I want to make sure and put this at number one because yeah, yeah. this is the one out of the five that I for sure have listened to the most. You know, since seeing them live in 1999 until now. I mean, we we've talked about this album with Roger and gone in depth yeah. about it and and how much we love it. And I listened through it again today and. And it just re reestablished that, like, man, this album is really good. Like, what I love about it is, you know, it's there's not necessarily anything like crazy about it. You know, it's a it's a punk rock record, but it's also it has this really cool kind of underlying kind of moodiness and kind of darkness to it at times. Like, it's not a super kind of poppy, happy punk rock album. It, yeah. it does have some of those moments, but there's also songs like uh, Numb, is that what it's called? Yeah, yeah. Um, where it's like, you know, it's a little bit heavier, but it still has a really good groove and it's catchy. And I don't know, it's just something about this album that that just sounds cool and different and special. And yeah. it, it's not one where I would say, oh, it sounds like this album, um, you know, like comparing it to a different band or something. It, it's It's unique to itself. Yeah, this it's funny because when I mentioned putting face to face on this list, I'd actually bumped No Motive off simply because I knew we were going to talk about them. And uh, this album, I had Sadness Prevails as my record that I was going to have on the list, mainly because we have rather recently talked about this one with Roger. Uh, and, you know, the only one album per band rule, right? But uh, this record. It is one of those records, I've talked about this before, where I put it on and I'm immediately like taken to a specific place. Like, you know, mm. it does that for me. I also think this record is very much like, not only with the cover, we've talked about the artwork, but also very much in like that early 2000s vagrant sound. Like when I talk about like Hot Rod Circuit, uh, No Motive, Hey Mercedes, you know, some of these bands where it's just like they all have this similar thing to them that, you know, maybe initially I can't pinpoint what it is I love about them, but it just boils down to solid songwriting, right? Like, and it's just they, they're not messing around. They're not over. Like, as much as I love Monine, you know, you could talk about, well, they, they have these songs, but it's not just about him crafting a melody and a chord structure those songs expand and do other things right like yeah um that kind of take you to other places whereas with these bands like no motive and hey mercedes and hot rod circuit um and even to an extent like even though they were a little maybe on the punk side but like alkaline trio uh their vagrant releases just like being really good straightforward songs like they weren't reliant on having you know, like riffs that got stuck in your head every song. Right. Yeah. yeah. You know, they weren't reliant on being like, oh, this is our blazing fast song and this is our soft song. They all had dynamics to them. Right. But, um, and yeah, and this, this record is one that's, you know, stood the test of time for me, holds up just as much today as it did, you know, when I first heard it in what, 2001 or 2000, yeah, 2001 probably I think is when it came out. Um, so yeah good great record yeah <laughs> fantastic record and even like you know as a band that put out three full lengths like well no they put out more than that but like um three full lengths let's say on vagrant because they did have one i think before that uh but like they're all so good and they're all so different from each other right? yeah like, yeah which is really cool so this is i think the most straightforward of the three maybe um but uh it's it's good stuff my uh my number one 
is interesting because, well, I'll tell you what it is first. It's dashboard confessional places you have come to fear the most. So this is our painful realization that all is gone wrong and nobody cares at all. And no Sidestepping has come to be a brilliant dance where nobody leads at all. Where nobody leads at all. And no picture frames are facing down and the And you're measuring your minutes by a clock that's blinking eights. Well, this is incredible, starving, insatiable. Yes, this is love for the first time. When you like to think that you were invincible. Yeah, well, weren't we all once before we felt lost for the Why I say it's interesting is because it's not one that I go to as often, I don't think, now, and for obvious reasons. Like, I fell in love with this record because I was, you know, like a 16-year-old, 17-year-old kid or whatever I would have been at the time who, you know, was had his heart broken or whatever, right? Like, had a girl he liked and couldn't express himself, whatever, you know, all the kind of common cliches um, that go along with it. But, like, this record, and it was also, like, the first like acoustic album i can remember hearing and being like oh this is like so good you know like i i didn't grow i didn't really you know come along listening to acoustic music and obviously like getting into punk and stuff like that you know maybe you had the odd album with an acoustic song on it here or there or whatever but like a full acoustic album was like it was new to me right yeah and uh and there was just something about it now i did dashboard just did a uh 
a live stream on Valentine's Day as well, actually, which here's an interesting little tidbit I learned. So when the world shut down with COVID, Dashboard was on tour at that time doing like this Dashboard Confessional 20th anniversary tour thing. And his final show he played, the band that opened was the Get Up Kids (laughs) before everything shut down. And then so they planned, you know, obviously after a while, Dashboard planned to do this uh, Valentine's Day show that they were going to do. And they, you know, done it, produced it, whatever. And then found out that the Get Up Kids were also doing a Valentine's Day show. So it became this whole like... It, it was so much fun to just like be online and see different people being like, oh yeah, like double bill tonight. Like I was, I was texting, you know, I was tweeting as like, who's going to be my headliner tonight? You know, is it going to be the get up kids or is it going to be dashboard confessional? Right. Like, so it was really kind of fun in that regard where, you know, most of these like live streams you get, you know, you go and you watch one band. And so, you know, an hour, yeah. maybe an hour and a half later, you're done or whatever. Uh, whereas that night it was like, oh, we legit like get an opener and yeah, a that's awesome. this is sweet. Yeah. So it was really cool. But, uh, yeah, no, this this record will always for sure hold uh, a spot for me, even yeah. if I'm not that same, you know, sad emo kid that I was, you know, in the early 2000s, uh, heartbroken every single day or whatever, right? But it also changed, like, the way I looked at music in the sense that all of a sudden, like, an acoustic guitar wasn't, like, this foreign bad thing. Um, I was like, oh, you can kind of do some neat stuff on it, you know? You can change the tunings and you can play entirely different ways and... Um, yeah, it was it was always it was so good, and then like the MTV Live or MTV Two or whatever, like the unplugged yeah, that album was that sweet. came out. Yeah, and the thing I loved about that was actually probably the biggest thing on that was uh, Mike Marsh was the guy who played drums for Dashboard. Oh, for, so good. Yeah, for he was on this record, place you've come to fear the most. He played on that live record, and I know for sure he did a Mark commission of Brand of Scar. I'm not sure if he was still with the band after that, or if that was kind of it, but a, that dude is still like, I go back and I watch that performance, that MTV unplugged performance. And like that dude's drumming is so locked in. Yeah. Love and that. his vocals, dude, like he, oh, so I don't he, remember that part. Yeah. Well, cause okay. So he sang lead or like co-lead or whatever in a band called Seville. And it's unfortunate that they're not, I, I think I found one song once, uh, up. They used to have a MySpace page, which I think had maybe all or most of their songs. But of course, that's gone now. I think if you go on YouTube, you're lucky to find one song. It's so good. Like I, oh, like it. I every now and then I'm just like, oh, I wish you know I had put that on a CD that I still had somewhere yeah. or whatever. Because it was Shoot. it was like an EP that wasn't like. Um, it's not like it was. Like you wouldn't find it anywhere here. Uh, it was probably on, you know, some like small label or whatever. I'm just looking here to see what they were signed to. Um, Seville was a rock group formed in 2001 by Mike Marsh and Dan Bonebreak, uh, of Vacant Andes and formerly Dashboard. They disbanded in 2003. Uh, I don't even think they're on a label. There's no label listed here. Um, but, uh, they were, yeah, man, I wish, I wonder if I can find them and just send them to you. Cause if you're listening and you've, if you haven't heard Seville, you should go check it out, especially if you're a fan of that like early 2000s kind of like emo sort of sound. There's one song I think on YouTube called Reformer. Um, I think Informer? that's Oh, what is this? Did it, what? Are they still t- No, this must be a different Seville. 
now I'm going to look into this because there's something from a year ago where they did uh, it's um, songs from a room, like a live session. We are the people, Empire of the Sun cover. I mean, I don't know if that's the same Seville or not, but because uh, then there's what? Yeah, no, I don't think so. Uh, anyway, going going right off topic here. It is <laughs> if you can find that. I think the album was called Waiting in Seville. Uh, was like the EP or whatever. So if any of you have it out there, please let me know because I would, I would like a coffee. It's so good, it's so good. Now you're gonna look it up. You gotta find it, Aaron. You gotta find it. Is that <laughs> how is that spelled? Uh, S E V I L L E. Oh, okay. Yeah, yeah. Uh, which is funny because in the scene, like the Calgary punk scene, there was a band called Deville. Oh yeah, was, I remember them. That's yeah, the first came to mind. Yeah. Um, but yeah, no, uh, Dashboard Confessional, Places You Have Come to Fear the Most is uh, kind of just one of those records that's that sort of stuck with me. Um, and uh, yeah, I don't know, man. Yeah, it's a good one. I, I listened to that one today too and thoroughly enjoyed singing along and harmonizing. And, <laughs> and crying I, yeah, a little. Well, I don't know about that. But, uh, <laughs> Admit it! <laughs> Admit it! <laughs> I, don't, uh, I, I don't remember if I liked this when it first came out or not. Uh, maybe just even knowing, like, he was kind of from, you know, our scene, so yeah. to speak. Yeah. You know, maybe it was a bit more acceptable or something. But, right. um, again, I mean, it was around a ton and, and you know, it was being played at various places or in the tour van. But, yeah, yeah. I, I definitely enjoy this one a lot, there's, too. Man, there's a crazy story. I think I sent, yeah, I, I sent you, like, a a picture from a yeah. book that I was reading and it was like telling a story of, it was one of his first tours, I believe as dashboard confessional. And he was on tour with H2O and face to face. And basically like it was, he would go out there every night, open the show and people would be booing and throwing change at him and stuff like that. Right. And then like Toby Morris would come out wearing like a dashboard confessional t-shirt every night. And like Trevor Keith was just super supportive. And you know, as as kind of things go on, they were they were throwing change at him and Toby. Uh, did I say Toby Keith? I did just. There, uh, you but, <laughs> I don't know if I said that <laughs> earlier. You, you can going, make them into one person for going, the sake of this story. Yeah, well, and Toby Keith is a country singer too, but Trevor Keith <laughs> uh, would like he basically. I think he said, it was something along the lines of you know like pick up that change, man. Like they're throwing money at you. Like take that money and run. You know. Yeah. <laughs> and he would just go out there every night and just get up in front of this. You know punk rock crowd that wasn't expecting this, you know, sad boy kind of thing to get up there with his acoustic guitar. And, uh, and, and he said, you know, I feel like by the end of every night, he'd kind of won the crowd over sort of thing. You know, obviously not necessarily every person in that room, but it changes from people being like, boo, get off the stage to buying merch. Yeah. <laughs> you know? So Man, that's, that's a tour one. I would love to see now. Oh, hundred percent, hundred percent. But, uh, anyways, I think that will, uh, wrap us up, you know? Yeah. Do you want Unless me to do a rap to uh, conclude? No, I, I don't okay. want you to do a rap. <laughs> uh, just making sure you didn't have anything else you wanted to add. Uh, not this time that I can think of. All right, cool. Well, make sure you go follow us at Growing Punk Pod on social media, and growingpunkpod.com is our website. Tell your friends about the show, rate it, review it wherever you listen to it. Help it help it spread a little bit. Help it grow, especially if you've got any fans, friends who are fans of Vagrant Records. That will do it, though. So bye-bye. Thanks, everybody.